It's a great pleasure to welcome you to Highway 89. We're in the habit of saying that this program is Utah's most scenic musical byway. With new destinations every week, thanks for joining us. I'm Marcus Smith, and in the studio this hour with me is the Fry Street Quartet. I'm going to introduce the uh, soloists we have with us. hope I get this all right. Uh, the trickiest name <laughs> is the first one, actually. And with a name like Smith, it, my name's pretty vanilla. So uh, here we have a uh, first violinist, William Fedkenhoyer, and then violinist Rebecca McFall. Uh, we have violist Bradley Otteson and cellist Anne Francis. A little bit of background for you. The Fry Street Quartet is the string quartet in residence at the Kane College of the Arts at Utah State University. And they all serve as string faculty members for all string majors at USU. They've recorded five CDs uh, featuring string compositions of Beethoven, Haydn, Stravinsky, Janicek, and more. We'll get to know them a little bit better a little later on. Right now, I just want to hear some music. And so right now on Highway 89, the Fry Street Quartet performing the final movement of Joseph Haydn's String Quartet, Opus 17, Number 6.
great way to open a program, and uh, great to have you here on Highway 89, the Fry Street Quartet, and they've just played the final movement of Haydn's String Quartet, Opus 17, Number 6. I'm Marcus Smith with you tonight. Let's take a, a little while and get to know some of our artists. I'm going to start with uh, William Fedkenhoyer. I really do admire a great surname. Uh, that is fantastic, <laughs> and so despite from the fine playing, mm-hmm. great name. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, William Fedkenhoyer, why don't you chat with us about Fry Street, that name. Uh, ah, you know, picking well, a name for any ensemble, that's a, that's a task. Well, it's, it, it actually, and it happens very quickly on you. You, you don't necessarily know when that moment comes, but the, the quartet had started uh, out in Chicago, and Fry Street is actually a street in Chicago, just uh, it's north of the, the water tower, and uh, Rebecca was actually living on Fry Street Quartet, and that's where the quartet would come to rehearse, and it was just a bunch of musicians who were living in the area, many of them playing in the Civic Symphony there in Chicago, and they, um, the quartet decided to enter a string quartet competition, just a, a little bit on a whim, but also very serious. The, the quartet was trying to figure out how they could start a career, and that, that in those days, and still today, it is a very valuable way. And on the application, um, they asked for the name of the string quartet. And uh, <laughs> had to do it. You had no choice. You, you needed name. a name, and uh, of course, uh, a good string quartet leaves everything to the last moment. So I think there was <laughs> there was maybe twenty minutes to get that application to the post office, and uh, somebody looked out the window, and of course, there was the sign Fry Street. And at that time, this this was an area that was home to a lot of. Uh, it was a very depressed neighborhood, so home to a lot of gangs and and musicians. Uh, and musicians. <laughs> gangs <laughs> and, of um, musicians. So we we were pretty sure that. It was indeed the only classical string quartet on Fry Street, and um, and so that name went down, and, and the quartet actually did quite well in the competition and established a, a following for the name, and so it's stuck ever since. Am I the very first person who have, who's ever asked you about the name <laughs> Fry Street? No. Well, you know, we, we ask ourselves, we, we actually went through a bit of a, a identity um, development because often with string quartets, it's one word, you know, it's the Cleveland String Quartet or Tokyo. And uh, Fry Street Quartet, you get a lot of questions about because yeah. you're not, they're not used to having so many words in there. And uh, we, we ourselves went through it and, and we actually came to love and it's a very endearing name. Well, once again, I, I like the name Fry Street <laughs> and, I, and I really like your Bet name. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other violinist in the group, Rebecca McFall. Great to have you with us, too. Tell us a little Thank bit about you. how you got started. I understand that way early on in the early history of your your collaboration together, you went to the Balkan States. You were something like cultural ambassadors or something? That was our fancy title, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had... Um, uh, uh, shortly after the quartet began, we did a program in Jerusalem that was um, uh, put on by Isaac Stern and lots of luminaries in the classical music field, basically Isaac and his friends. And um, and it was a prestigious thing to be invited to. And I think there were 10 ensembles from all over the world. And lucky for us, Mr. Stern took something of a liking to us. And as a result of that workshop, he... Um, organized a Carnegie Hall debut, and then also invited us to um, to do this tour of the Balkans. It was a program sponsored by the U.S. Department of State and Carnegie Hall. That was several years ago? Or? It was. It was um, in 2002. Yeah. So that, that comes after the crisis in the Balkans, the war. Yes. Yes. And- Although its, it's impact was still very much uh, being felt and, and visible. Yeah, and I was wondering about your impressions of how things were. What did you What did you find? What sort of conditions? Uh, 
Well, I think Sarajevo uh, made the largest impression on me. Such a beautiful, beautiful city, and it was just um, devastated. Um, there wasn't a street or a building that was that was not um, touched by the ravages of this conflict. As musicians, as string musicians, you could hardly have gone to that city without thinking about the cellist of Sarajevo. Yes, right? yes. Crossed yeah. your mind. Anne has that poster, that famous photograph, yeah. and... Um, uh, Certainly, we met a lot of really heroic people on um, on that tour, people who had survived the siege, and it was very moving. Well, it's good to get to know you, and we'll get to know the other two musicians in just a bit here. I think we're going to go ahead with a, the longest work on our program tonight. We're going to get to hear a complete string quartet, the Beethoven String Quartet, with the Fry Street Quartet performing on Highway 89. And I'll mention their names once again. We have William Fedkenheuer, Rebecca McFall, Bradley Audison, violist and cellist Anne Francis, performing Beethoven's String Quartet, Opus 18, number 3. Thank you. 
Highway 89, the Fry Street Quartet, performing Beethoven's String Quartet, Opus 18, Number 3. I want to mention, if you're just tuning in, the Fry Street Quartet is the String Quartet in residence at the Kane College of the Arts at Utah State University. They're the string faculty members for all string majors at USU. I'm listening to both this Beethoven piece, and I'm comparing it with the Haydn I heard earlier on. I think both of those composers, they've got their oomph, or their oomph, uh, but certainly the, the Haydn, in my mind, has a little bit more of a prissy oomph compared to the Beethoven, and Beethoven is just your straight oomph. And I'm just, uh, how do you shift gears when you're moving from, like that, del- you know, you've you got the ornamentation, it's kind of delicate, a little frilly, and then you hit Beethoven. That's a shift, isn't it? Uh, Bradley Otteson. Just wait for our next shift. <laughs> well, I... Well, I you know, going from Chicago where you got together, coming to Utah, that was a shift too. And so maybe there's a comparison to be made between like Beethoven and Shostakovich, a, a disparity of experience between those. How do you shift? How do you, even between movements, changing tempos, how do you get set? Well, it, it takes a certain amount of, of getting used to, certainly, and just being able to commit fully to what each composer is trying to bring with that piece of music. So do you go through some kind of mental gymnastics? You, you obviously pause. Yes. And you get set. Yes. And there's this pregnant waiting before you begin. Is that all calculated just to help you? Uh, is, is it to help the audience or is it to help you? I think it's for both of us. Yeah. Absolutely. And Francis, um, we are going to hit that Shostakovich. <laughs> and before we do, uh, tell me, how do you get in that mind frame to, to move from Beethoven to Shostakovich? Well, I think with all the hours that we spend in rehearsal on each of these, we've so finely honed every detail of everything from the sound to um, the the character that we're trying to get across. I mean, all of those elements, we spend so much time thinking about them and doing them that I think to a certain extent, it, it comes naturally when you're on stage or in performance because it's just, it's ingrained, it's become absorbed in your understanding of the music. Um, but I will say that we have at times had specific things that... Um, you know, we might be thinking about at the beginning of a given movement. Um, I know for me, sometimes there are certain key words that capture the essence of the movement I'm about to play. Helps me just lock right into it, even if, you know, maybe my brain is in another place that particular moment, because that does happen. So you actually let that word or phrase pass through your mind? As sort sometimes, of a, yeah. Is it a ritual? Not, I wouldn't say it's as as ingrained as a ritual because I don't do it all the time. But but with certain things, it it definitely helps. So when you're rehearsing as a group, there's four of you. You all have artistic temperaments. You don't have a conductor. How, who acquiesces first when you come to? Uh, it never comes to fisticuffs. I trust <laughs> that you you're a- amicable, yet. friendly folk. Yes. <laughs> oh wow. Um. It's it's that old time old question of collaboration. I mean, who? Yeah. Who... Oh golly. Well, that's a really hard question to answer because it's it's just so complicated because it's such a balance of give and take all the time. That I would say, of course, each of our roles demand certain things, um, and we have to fit those roles even when we don't want to sometimes. Um, but 
I'd say also that in our quartet anyway, it's a pretty democratic process. Um, and so even if, uh, you know, it's a piece where, I don't know, say Will has the bulk of the melodies, say, um, and I'm just playing yum, 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 um, I still can basically control him from underneath <laughs> with the way that I play that line. Um, and so it even works in the playing sometimes, you know, that we can, we can all, um, we, and we do all really have our individual voices. But in the rehearsal process too, I mean, we're really, um, the art of communicating and coming to consensus is one that we will always be working on. Is the negotiation forever. actually enjoyable? It is. It's very rewarding. Uh, it's a little bit like a four-way marriage. <laughs> you really have to be willing to compromise and willing to see anyone's idea all the way through and, and do it um, absolutely um, uh, with the, with, and, and give it your, your best. Before we make that big shift and hit the Shostakovich, I'm going to give you a little bit more buffer space yet, because in my mind, those are really composers far apart from each other. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do when you're not doing your music. I understand uh, Bradley Otteson, our uh, violist in this group, you got a, a hobby, collecting LPs? I do, yes. I love records. And uh, I, I started collecting them when I was a student because I could afford them. <laughs> you could walk into a dusty record shop and come out with a whole box of really amazing recordings for a few dollars. So that was how I started. And um, I, it had, has such a unique sound, and it's so wonderful to hear string playing and classical music, as well as all kinds of music in that medium. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of music. At that time, you, you couldn't actually find on CD. Uh, these days, that's starting to change, and they're beginning to reissue a lot of things, and you can download music online. It's, it's amazing how accessible everything is. But at the time, there was a lot of music that you could actually only find on record, including many of our teachers. Have you plateaued on your the number in your collection? Or are you just with avarice going <laughs> forth to, to find more? I have had a few long-distance moves. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my wife uh, has required me to cap. I have a few hundred records, and that's quite a few hundred pounds also. Um, and now, you know, with with all the, the different... Um, uh, mediums there are out there to collect recordings on. I discovered I have I have this great album, and I discovered I had four versions of it. You know, I had the MP3 and the CD and the record. And the <laughs> time tape. to downsize <laughs> a little bit, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and Francis, you uh, you enjoy the outdoors. I do indeed, yes, and that's something that I really only discovered upon moving to Utah. Um, I, I will fully admit I was not much of an outdoorsy person before I moved here, but I've just fallen in love with it, hiking in particular. So, is it is it rocks? Is it animals? Is it plants? What's what's the? Oh gosh, I think it's all of it. You know, just just being in the mountains here is it's just it's so inspiring. Name, name a favorite hike you've had lately or in the last uh, year or two. Uh, that's easy. Just a couple of weeks ago, um, we climbed Mount Olympus, and it was there was still a lot of snow at the top, and so that was a big adventure um, because we were really slipping and sliding at the top. Um, also, part of the trail had actually turned into basically a river because the snow melt was coming so fast. My, I was wet up to my knees at the end of it. Isn't but. the west northwestern face of that pretty sheer Don't yes you, you, it was did you peer over the edge and look down yes and it was really quite something <laughs> it was also a heck of a of a hike i mean the first you know i don't know mile is i think 
part almost half the vertical feet that you go up so we were feeling it (laughs) is that completely distinct from your experience as a musician is that a different compartment in your mind um gosh that's a really interesting question i i think it's not necessarily a different compartment it's just it's a it's a very different experience but i think i process it in similar ways the work that you have to do to get the reward is similar in my mind, mm. you know, so those really punishing hikes, you know, when you get to the top and you peer over that sheer face, you know, it's sort of like scaling the top of a late Beethoven quartet or something. It's a lot of work going into it, but it's so incredibly rewarding on the other side. That's the voice of Anne Francis. She's the cellist in the Fry Street Quartet. I'll give all the names of our musicians in the Fry Street Quartet. We've had Anne Francis just spoke to us, and with her was Bradley Otteson, the violist. The violinists are William Fedkenheuer and Rebecca McFall. And we have now successfully buffered enough space to move right into the Shostakovich and the the Beethovens behind us. So their next uh, performance for us, we're going to enjoy the third movement of Dmitry Shostakovich's String Quartet No. 7, right here on Highway 89, the Fry Street Quartet. Thank you. 
The third movement of Dmitry Shostakovich's String Quartet No. 7, performed by the Fry Street Quartet on Highway 89. The Fry Street Quartet is made up of violinists William Fedkenheuer, Rebecca McFall, violist uh, Bradley Otteson, cellist Anne Francis, all are string faculty members at the Kane College of the Arts at Utah State University. And they were so gracious as to come all the way down I-15, <coughs> excuse me, I-15, just to get to Highway 89 is where they really wanted to go. And I want to thank our guests for being with us today. It's great to have you with us. Uh, Highway 89 takes our audience to any number of destinations, every one of them musical and memorable. We'd love to hear from you about our program anytime. You can reach us uh, by email at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. I'm Marcus Smith. Thanks for listening.